Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is the weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 144 is recorded live January 3rd, 2013. Happy New Year! Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson, and I'd like to welcome everybody to the first podcast of 2013, and who I couldn't do it without. I'd like to welcome my co-host for this week, our dive mentor, Mac. How you doing today, Mac? I'm doing pretty good. It's been a nice day. Yeah, we had, uh, I don't know, I didn't, it was dark, I think, when I went to work, and dark when I went home, but the days are getting longer. Oh, absolutely. You can tell almost 40 minutes already. Yeah, so... uh you can't beat that. I love it when it starts getting longer, and that means it'll get warmer, but I think we still have a few days of cold before that warm will start to kick in. Well, if it kicks, if it stays like it is right now, we're going to have some nice ice to go diving maybe in another week. Yeah, I, uh, yesterday and today it was a little chilly. I don't know if it's just because I was a whip from being on vacation, but it felt a little nippy. Well, you figure it's 20 degrees yeah. yesterday most of the day. Yeah, so we should be building some ice. Yeah, we did have skim ice around uh, Singer Lake, uh, New Year's. That's maybe a quarter inch. I mean, we broke it with, with hammers, sledgehammers. Oh, so you had to break through that. Yeah, we had to get off about 20 feet, just get on, out of the uh, the ice line. So and that's you got small that... ponds and stuff, they're, they're totally frozen over. Uh, the big ones, a lot of open space. Now, is there a rule of thumb, like once Singer skins over if you have two or three days of 20 degree temperatures that it's pretty much ready for an ice dive uh i never really determined the dates i like to go out there and poke a hole in it and take a look <laughs> yeah the, the, the ice fishermen are are crazier than we are so if they're out there fishing it's probably at least something we can well, check at least one of us can get out there but since we're a little heavier than they are <laughs> when there's three or four guys around a hole you know how uh, that oh okay i see what you're saying <laughs> I thought you meant that divers are heavier than fishermen. Well, when they're carrying the gear, they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not too many fishermen uh, carry 10 to 15 pounds of lead with them. Plus, yeah, plus. Yeah, plus tanks and, and other things. That makes me think of it. I, I didn't have that in the show notes this week, but I was reading a forum post that came up through the feeds, and there was somebody who was asking how divers could dive with an 80-pound cylinder. And it was kind of funny to see all the comments that that poster had gotten. Well, we're macho. I mean, not only do we carry that 80-pound cylinder, man, but I got 3,000 pounds of air on my back. <laughs> yeah. Well, somebody pointed out that, that it was probably an 80-cubic-foot cylinder, and it was 3,000 pounds of air. So uh, the gentleman had quite a few facts messed up there. Well, I don't know. Most people think I have oxygen in mine. <laughs> <laughs> oxygen and a scuba suit. Yeah. And then, and then flippers just to top it off. Well, let's go ahead and jump right on into the news. First one up is a follow-up. This last year, we had some problems with uh, the dredging happening here in, in Michigan. It wasn't coming quick enough. 
And Berrien County is planning to do some of their own dredging to accommodate uh, recreational boaters. Dredging plans are being established for parts of the St. Joe River. Environmental consultants and technology is being paid $60,000 by the county to survey the river, maps, areas to dredge, and submit a permit application. The board plans to get approval from a revenue bond issued through the Berrien County Public Works Board to raise $1 million to fund to pay the dredging periodically as needed. The bond would be repaid with special assessments on boat slips in St. Joe, St. Joe Township, and Benton Harbor. So they're planning on doing a surveying the river between Bicentennial and Napier Avenue bridges and the Morrison Channel. Now, is this something that they have to do because of that's not what's covered in the dredging fund for the state? I'm not really sure. Uh, I know they don't have enough money to do what they want to do. And at least for the $60,000, I don't know what it takes to submit a permit application. But uh, I could go out there and give them a good survey and map areas for a little bit less than $60,000. Maybe we should bid on it. Well, I was I was going to say now, you know, Mud Club could go out there, I think, and do a pretty decent job for a lot less than that, yeah, other that, than the that, permit application. I don't know what that involves. Well, from what I remember of previous, I would say, civilian dredging projects was there had to be analysis of the river bottom that was going to be dredged, and it had to be tested for contaminants, and then it had to have an approved waste site. Because if I remember Correct. where Lane Automotive is off... Uh, U.S. 94 is a spot where they're planning on putting the dredgings originally. And well, depending on what dredgings is, they've been dredging it so much over the years that initially when they did it like 30 years ago, when I remember it, uh, they had issues with cadmium, lead, other metals that had leached out from the soil and from uh, businesses. And when they moved it out, remember how they do the sand sucking now? They suck it out and then mm-hmm. move it around to the beach and re-nourish it. Well, Years ago, when they initially did a lot of the digging, they had to truck it up and out. And one of the dredge piles or dump sites used to be the airport, uh, because the airport, if you've looked at it, has a lot of open land, and a lot of it was swamp. And they took the dredgings for many years. And I'm quite sure the dredgings they used were not contaminated, per se. Mm-hmm. They got it somewhere. And they actually used it, and that's what they helped uh, when they increased the runway by uh, 1,000 feet. Yes. They used a lot of that fuel material. Well, I think that's where that ended up because the yeah. originally I think they were going to do it. They talked about the dumps, and I'm always amazed when they say it's too toxic to go to the dump. Yeah. But, so what do you do with it? Yeah. And once you know it's there, what do you do? Leave it on the bottom? <laughs> well, you could. <laughs> yeah. Originally when I saw the article, I was thinking, why aren't we using the money that was set up that the boats pay for shipping? Because I know that fund has quite a bit of uh, – capacity in it that's not being used. But I'm but wondering that, if there's... That, that fund, though, is, is used for commercial aspect, and that takes care of the uh, entry from the lake through the piers to the turning basin where you have your major boats. That's where the big boats are going to come through and dump the concrete and the sand. Mm-hmm. That's what that money is for there for navigation. That provides funds to the state, to the, to the county. What they're looking at here is to dredge it past that because if you're out there in front of uh, the new Whirlpool office, yeah. if you haven't been out there for a while, that's almost two-thirds sand across there now. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's big, big, big time. Yeah. So well, I know a if, lot of the, the boat slips are essentially unusable. And I had a friend who had quite a large boat a few years back. And all he was able to do is they would put it in the water. He would be able to get to the boat slip. He was essentially plowing. 
and then he'd sit in the boat slip all year and then come back out to the to the ramp and they would lift him out with a boat crane. Yep. Did you go through uh, and look at the comments section on this one? No, I didn't. Go down. It's quite interesting. Okay. Well, let me let me open that one uh, back. What up. what it is is comments on who should pay for that. And oh. it's comments that they should all they should target all boaters, not just the ones who have boats. If you use the river, you should pay your share to keep it accessible. And I keep thinking Mother Nature takes care of the river, and you got a lot more access to the river than just where we're talking. So you're going to charge all the other boaters in Niles. Oh, certainly. Great Springs. They use the river. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, oh, I, I hear you because I can hear people saying that. And then you'd have some boaters are going, well, I'm in a boat that only draws four inches, so I don't care. Right. I have a, you know, a duck boat. Duh. Yeah. I can get through it. I'm smart enough to use my little electric trolling motor to get me through till I get out to the lake. Yeah. And then, then you say, well, I pay my fee at the DNR ramp. And they have a good one down here. They talked about um, in front of Pier 1000. They paid almost $80,000 to have that part in front of Tackle Haven and the DNR ramp dredge. Remember, we saw them do that last year? Uh-huh. They did that out of their pocket. But they they, uh, the, they dredged the DNR out of their own pocket? They dredged that, well, the launch. That's right in front of the uh, the ramp, so it's almost, I mean, it's, it's right there. You're yeah. defeating your purpose if you don't help them out a little bit. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is I'm, I'm reading one of the posts. They're saying that the DNR charged the dredge company $300 for the ramp fee. Yeah, you saw that, and it's like, well, duh. That I don't understand. That would be gratis. Well, that that doesn't make sense because it doesn't cost $300 to use the ramp. Well, it must have been something special since that is more of a – well, that's true. That barge didn't come to the ramp, so I'm not sure what they charged it for then. The DNR even charged a dredging company $300 for a ramp, a launch ramp fee for the dredger, even though they're paying to have their ramp dredged. Yeah, it doesn't even make any sense. That, that's somebody who heard something out of school and just... Yeah. Well, the other one get me, gets me here is, let me see where another little item was. Oh, I can't find it this minute, but I read it a moment ago. They were talking about Wolf uses the ramps. It's like they pay their access fees to launch boats. Why pick on Wolf? It's it's the boat, or is it the business now? I, I'm not sure which it is. It's it's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's... Not to everybody, that's for sure. Well, and it, it, essentially, what it comes down to is everybody wants everybody else to pay, right? Yeah, because the ones who really need it are the ones who are paying for boat slips. Which, yeah. and on one aspect, if it's to make the boat slips accessible, shouldn't the marinas who are charging for the boat slips be responsible for the dredging? And well, it sounds like they also have a surcharge, my understanding, for the slip rental to help pay for that. But there ain't that many boats compared to how much you're gonna, you know. Oh, yeah. It would be price prohibitive to charge well, them what it really costs to let their boat out there. Yeah. Well, and un- unfortunately, you know, it's a million dollars that they're sa- they're estimating that it's going to take to dredge. And that's, well, I and think that, the million dollars is what they want to have in the kitty so when they need a section dredge, they've got the money and they don't have to jump through hoops to get it every time they need a section done. Right. And that's going to be, when they're saying a bond, is that a one-time bond? That's the kind of stuff you don't know. It says approval for a revenue bond, and I'm betting that revenue bond means something. Because to me, it sounds like it's a maintenance item. You need to have money coming in constantly for that. Yeah. And the bond would be repaid with a special assessment in the boat slip. So what they're going to do is they're going to get a bond, which is they're asking for money. So they issue a bond, and then they create a new revenue, which is a special assessment on boat slips, which will repay the bond plus keep the fund furnished. 
or they'll make a special assessment like they're already doing in Benton Harbor to pay their oh, own money. So it could be a special assessment of like a one-time fee, yeah. kind of like when they do a road and, improvement. And that's never a one-time fee. You know that. No, no. It's Well, it's whenever they need it. Yeah, it's one time this year. Yeah. I, I know when I worked in down in Indiana, they used to have what they call the ditch tax. And I can remember people complaining that they've been collecting that ditch tax and it was about 50 to 100 bucks a year per person. And people would say it's been 20 years since I've seen anybody do anything with that damn ditch. So I, I don't know the solution to that one. Well, since we've, we've got people worked up here, about how, how about this next one? <laughs> Fines for a gun shop removed from Christchurch Quay, and this is in the U.K. And you look at that sign, and they've got two signs. One is for kids' stuff, which is scuba. The next to it, they have towel shooting. Which is, by the way, air guns. Oh, really? That's an air gun, a BB type or pellet rifle. Uh-huh. So just to clarify that, if, if you've been in the U.K., you the, the common joke ain't got no guns there. It's not like you're by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, so, okay. I, I even So that makes sense because one of the complaints that people had is, is of course, uh, it was a controversy because it was advertising guns after the tragedy that we had in the U.S. That was one of the excuses. Yeah, it was one of the excuses. And, and people were appalled and shocked and dismayed, which it's amazing that the only people they found were all appalled and shocked and dismayed. There was no other side to the story. And then the politicians all claimed that they knew nothing about that. Do you think for a second, that you could erect a sign like that and not have permission? Well, yes, you could, and they did. <laughs> but it's not. it wasn't unknown. It's been there for weeks. But, but you mean it was just like a random sign, like somebody, the that's what they're saying in the article. About, well, did you did you go through and read all the freaking comments? Somebody oh, yeah, the, the comments were, were, were excellent. Oh, yeah. Because that, that shows you the media is reporting one thing. And then the first comment was somebody, which I'm going to guess was a, a staffer at the newspaper just to get things going, you know, just saying how that what is crazy about people. I'm so appalled. And then everybody just piled on that that person. Well, the other part, both of the leaflets are from the same company, Shooting and Scuba Company UK. So it's the same company. Well, the, yes. the, sign, the signs are professionally done. Somebody spent money doing them and they're side by side. Right. So, well, one of the other articles down here is great. It says, Sheraldon Point is the unauthorized placing of the boards. Okay, granted. But why is the council not keeping a watch on all the advertising boards put around the town without permission? The Moscow Circus in the summer was a prime example of the town being decorated in illegal advertising billboards. There are laws governing the usage and placement. Surely the council should be checking on those also. Well, and that begs the question, is this a public boat launch or is this a marina? Yeah, I don't know. It was interesting, though, to read that. Yeah, and, yeah, so in some of the posts, they had one person who was saying, I'm shocked at how easy it is to get a gun in the U.K. and the same thing could happen here. And then you have all the people saying, have you tried to get a gun here? Yeah, it's, it's a freaking act of Congress, and, you, and they don't have Congress over there to help them out. No, and, and they don't have to give it either. They say a lot of, a lot of people are denied. They just said, nope, you don't get one. Yeah. It was interesting. Yeah. Flame and fire about nothing. Then the other guy says, from all the publicity you did about it, if you were really concerned about it, you wouldn't have had the publicity. <laughs> you know, if it's going to make you have riots and stuff, why did you even do this? Yeah. And call well, attention to it. Why not take care of it quietly? Yeah. And and then uh, one of the final posts was saying, 
you know, you, if it was so shocking and horrendous, then why did you reprint the the ad in the photo yeah. in, the, in the newspaper? <laughs> yeah, spread it around a little bit. It's a little free advertising, so. Yep, that was one of the other comments. That's great. Okay, well, we got that out of our system. Prospects for under underwater gold mine Pacific decline. The UK company who had been trying to do some underwater gold mine prospects has backed out. Gold prices are extremely high. And this London-based exploration firm, Nautilus, uh, ended up having a dispute with the uh, Papua New Guinea government about the cost of the, uh, the project. The London company planned to create the world's first underwater gold mine on the Pacific seabed. The company uh, just essentially couldn't shoulder any more of it. The government of New Guinea uh, wasn't ending, uh, living up to their end of the bargain, uh, as it's alleged. And they said increased competition with state-owned Chinese and Japanese firms uh, are are adding to some competition. They've got some unveiled plans to look for cobalt-rich crusts, and they're, they're also believing that there's some uh, rare earth metals or minerals, which at one point in time used to be 80 to 90 percent of those are all from the U.S., but uh, China has taken over that market, and then they prevented export. So, un- underwater mining. Well, that's quite interesting, uh, especially when you look at what, some of the stuff they're looking for. One of the items was, let's see, the, do you remember a long time ago when Howard Hughes built the Glomar Explorer? Yeah, well, I don't remember yeah. it being built. And, but and you, and you know the reason they built that, and if you remember the publicity, it was for underwater mining of manganese nodules. Uh-huh. I didn't remember that it was nodules. I know that what they were doing one thing on it, and then they were it was was it the Scorpion or the no that pressure? was they were bringing up a, a Soviet submarine, a Gulf class oh. nuclear sub. Well, not uh, had some nuclear weapons on board. They wanted them, but it was a cover. But the cover story was manganese mining of the seabed, just like you're hearing here. Now, part of this makes me wonder. Are they out there doing something else besides looking for my, or you know, for minerals? We were fed that story once before. Yeah. Are they doing that again, or is there something else to it? Uh, the other item I thought was interesting. Let me find my note. I did look this up a little bit. What I think is interesting is if you want to do it in your own territorial waters, and that varies depending on who you are, how big you are, how big your freaking navy is anywhere from three miles to 12 miles to X number of miles, territorial right. waters, right? Obviously, you've got your own. You can control it. Mm-hmm. Who controls it when it ain't in territorial waters? Do you know? Well, I know that they've got the, was it the SALT or the Law of the Sea Treaty that we've covered in the past? Yes, it's called the International Seabed Authority, established under that wonderful, wonderful organization called oh. the United Nations Law yeah. of the Sea Convention. Which the U.S. has not signed up for that treaty. Well, we don't necessarily agree with a lot of that. It's it's back to this one one world government type. Well, it doesn't. Who, who, you know, who who really gave the United Nations that kind of authority? And I know you got to have some kind of law, but you got to have some way to enforce the law. And I hate being the policeman, meaning I hate the United States being the policeman of the world. Yeah, yeah. Because in, in the case of of these treaties, is the UN proposes it, and then they say, yep, that's what we think it should be, and then each country has to ratify to join in. It, the, it, at this point in time, would never make sense, no matter how beneficial it was to the U.S., to sign on to a treaty like that. I, 
Personally, I do not think so either. Uh, but again, it goes back. We're the big kid on the block right now. We could say, screw you, and what are they going to do about it? Right. Well, only if you read the UN laws, is per their charter, they want to have, meaning the United Nations, have its own military force to be able to enforce all the laws that people have signed on to. And for those who haven't, that would be the big stick for you to abide by them, whether or not you like them. Otherwise, they'd kick your butt. Yeah, the the UN should never, under any circumstances, have a military. Never. No, that's the charter, though. That's that's the only way they could function. Yeah. No, well, but they. I agree with you, though. No, no they they should not. Uh, in fact, it was a big debate. You know, and and uh, this has got to be exciting for our listeners, but it was a big debate when the U.S. was formed of whether there would be a a military. In fact, it is illegal for the military to do policing actions on American soil. Yes and no. That's why so many people are concerned about a lot of the treaties that we're signing on to with the United Nations or agreeing with some of their laws or edicts because it effectively can undermine our own constitution. But that's for a different story. It is. And maybe we should start a podcast on that. because <laughs> I'm yeah. sure there's a few out there already. Oh, maybe more than one. But we know what's right. You know, the rest of them are all wrong. <laughs> So we go from underwater gold mine to the deepest coral in the Great Barrier Reefs. And this one even has some uh, some controversy. Yes, it does. So, and I, I wonder if people can pick it up what the controversy is. So what, what they're doing is in the Great Barrier Reef, they have found coral much deeper than they ever expected they would be. The coral was found living at 410 feet or 125 meters below the ocean surface. And this was from the University of Queensland. And they said it was mind-blowing. The group had previously seen living coral at a depth of about 200 feet. And then they go on the article to explain what coral are, coral is, which is colonies of, of polyps, which secrete rock-like exoskeletons. But I like the part where they say in the Gulf of Mexico, they yeah. found coral of certain variety at 2,600 feet. Yes, 2,600 feet. And also there are some... Uh, which are routinely at 500 feet in other parts of the world. So, for example, in Puerto Rico. Now, what this brings to mind is when you hear them complain about global warming in the rising of the seas, they would have you believe that if it rises by another six to eight inches, that all of a sudden all the coral in the world is going to die. Well, I did a little bit review on this stuff just for fun. And... Basically, coral reefs are called the rainforest of the sea, and they form some of the most diverse ecosystems on Earth. But yet, they occupy less than 0.1% of the world's ocean surface, and that's half the area of France. Mm -hmm. Yet, they provide a home for 25% of all marine species. Now, that's a hell of a lot when you think about what that 0.1% does. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you need for coral to grow? You need six major items. Right. Obviously, you got to have, well, one is water temperature, salinity, how deep is it, light, sedimentation, and they call it the emergence into air. Those are the six items that are factors into coral development. And they were saying, where the water temperature is at least 20 degrees C, which is 68 degrees Fahrenheit, that's the minimal temperature you need. And then optimal reef development occurs in waters where the mean annual is between 23 and 25 degrees centigrade. Mm-hmm. And then they were talking about corals are intolerant of salinities that deviate from that of seawater. 
and gaps will occur in reefs when fresh water enters into the sea. Part of the salinity aspect is when you have major storms, you actually change the salinity of the water in those areas, and they believe part of that, some of the storms, have been help killing them or stun their growth because of that salinity changes when they have these upwellings and major wave actions. Mm-hmm. But I just thought those little tidbits were quite interesting. 0.1% of the surface provides a home for 25% of marine species. That's phenomenal. That is amazing. But it may, it, it kind of makes sense when you look at the coral reef environment and all the, the, the nooks and crannies. Because even in freshwater, when you're fishing for fish, you want to fish in the habitat where they feel safe. And other than that, the ocean's just a big open bowl. So it's those it's a, the reefs that really provide it. Yeah, I was reading one of the articles on it, and it was talking about how they can accelerate coral growth by using electrical currents. And that it had been a, a potential way of revitalizing certain areas is by putting obviously battery, not necessarily batteries, but voltage with the appropriate medium out there to get you the charges that you want to mm-hmm. help them regrow. I think they were talking about coral, depending on the type and variety, can be grown at 10 centimeters per year or down to one. So obviously, if you can increase the rate, you can make it recover in places where it's gone to heck in a handbasket. Did I lose anybody? <laughs> no, no. I'm just. I was just thinking. I was just trying to to figure out where I was going to go next with that. But well, you still got to have the other items. You know, obviously you got to have light, and that goes down with your depth. So it looks like temperature and salinity is a big part. And the only other aspect is areas that man has really screwed it up. Remember that article we had a couple of months ago? They were using what chemical? Cyanide? Oh yeah. yeah for fishing? Yeah, that that's got to be good. Because that's the thing people need to realize is the reef is alive. You, you, you know, you poison it, it's going to die. And I don't think it takes too long for a reef to be dead for it really to break down. Yeah. And then uh, Chesapeake Bay is reporting that the the health has improved. They said the underwater grasses are the only area in which it's worth it, worsened. They said the underwater grasses are suffering a setback, according to assessment released Wednesday by the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, that sounded cautious optimism for decade-old effort under tough federal guidelines. Bay grasses were hurt by high water temperatures in the lower bay and heavy rains that washed sediment and pollution into local waterways. All other indicators either improved or stayed the same, with crabs, oysters, oxygen levels in the bay all seeing gains. Foundation gave the bay an overall score of 32 out of 100, up one point over the last report in 2010, and four points up since 2008. They said the bay is still dangerously out of balance. Rivers and streams are still impaired, but they're getting better, and that's good news. And that seemed to be the source, to me, of pollution that would make the other part bad. I mean, if they're having heavy rains, that means you get the sediment and the pollution from the local areas and runoff. Right. Yeah, runoff is is one of the major sources of pollution. Even if you try and retain the pollution on the land, eventually when it rains, you can't stop all that and it goes out. Well, take a look at Papa. If you look at the watershed areas, a lot of that was from the farming chemicals. Uh, that's why around there you don't use phosphates on your lawn, phosphate-free, because mm-hmm. it'll leach out into the to the water and make the weeds grow, which grew up a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. And the other aspect is how many swamps, how many marshes are gone 
because one, we're using water a lot more than we used to. We don't have sewage tanks or uh, septics to put the water back in the environment. We are shipping it out to the lake. We're, we're, we're screwing up our water table. Yeah, we, we're also obviously growing up. I mean, we got too many people. Yeah, we, we don't even begin to treat water to the extent of what it needs to be. Yeah. Uh, we had a dry summer this year, which I think is why we had the visibility that we did. And many of our waste treatment plants were probably able to keep up for the most part. But you get a wet season, and it's flushing raw sewage out all the time. And we're missing the swamplands that used to reabsorb that moisture back into the groundwater. Uh, I'd love to know how the water table has reacted to all the water that we pump out. Well, it's very easy. Uh, just flying over all of our lakes and, and rivers locally, they're all down. You go out to uh, Barron Lake, I mean, it's phenomenal what that place, how much it's gone down. And a couple of years ago, they made that deep well just to keep water coming into it. You know, they're pumping water into there just to make up for the uh, absorption mm-hmm. from the sun and stuff. Not to mention what the people are still using on water their lawns, take elsewhere to, to do the uh, agriculture in the area. But that water level out there has gone right down. It's, it's freaking amazing. And you look at the, a lot of the little areas around here that used to be ponds. They're probably half as large as they used to be. I know the ponds by me, the ones that were farmer-created, have really shrunk. Farmer-created and the ones that, you know, 100 years ago, you had a lot of swampland out here. You have natural cranberry patches. You don't have that now because we've been sucking up the water in our wells and our factories, and it ain't going back into the the ground. No. Not not locally. Yeah. I, I know the well at my house is over 200 feet deep. The EPA has granted, I say granted, an EPA grant has been awarded to educate Puerto Ricans in waste management. Two Puerto Rican organizations have been awarded $50,000 by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency to educate low-income communities about effective waste management, recycling, and negative effect on improper waste management on people's health and water quality. Uh, One of the organizations was the Leaders of the World, and the other was the Scuba Dog Society. So uh, $50,000, they said Puerto Rico is facing solid waste crisis. These grants will encourage community members to become active participants in efforts to reduce waste through waste reduction, recycling, and composing. Is that what they're saying? It said composting, yeah. It says a group will work with the community to monitor water quality, conserve and restore local wetlands and other areas of the ecosystem and prevent water pollution. Meanwhile, the Scuba Dog Society will use $24,286 uh, to educate residents about the serious impacts of illegal dumping on water body, bodies and deficiencies of local waste management services. Well, it's just like in the old days here. How do you get rid of your trash? Out of sight, out of mind, put it in the water. Yeah. How do you get rid of our trash in the old days? You put it down the ravines, to the rivers, the ponds. Yeah, you push it back <laughs> where you didn't see it. Yeah. Uh, the, one of the, the old farmhouse that we lived in which at the time when I was there was over 160 years old, the back cabin, they had like a a tenant's cabin or a a worker's cabin, and there must have been 50 years of people just opening the window and throwing stuff out the back. The trash was six to eight feet high, and it had three feet of just dirt on top of it. And when we did some projects, you just dug and dug and dug through it. Now, now after collecting bottles, it it, it would have been interesting to go through. But at the time, I can remember we just hauled tons of trash out. Now, when I saw this article, Mac, I was thinking, could Mud Club 
qualify for one of these grants? <laughs> well, to educate residents of about the serious impacts of illegal, illegal dumping, I'm not sure what that really means. And it would sound like it would be, I, I know what they're saying, you know, don't pollute, don't toss your trash out. But are we talking people individually? Are we talking factories, businesses? One would think they would be doing a larger amount of pollution as opposed to the citizenry. Yeah, I think what they were doing is they're, they said it's going to be hand-out educational programs, workshops, and direct assistance. So I'm going to guess part of it would be like what the Mud Club has done when you do the presentations on the shipwrecks. Yeah. Uh, you, maybe we could apply for a grant. You just have the first 15 minutes of the presentations we do talk about pollution. Because we're seeing, we still see new stuff going in the river. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, some of the stuff that you pulled out, that sword wasn't a, a recent find. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to guess that was less than 10 years old. Probably. It was like a thousand old, but okay. <laughs> Now that'd be cool. See if if it's if it's over a thousand, it's no longer trash. It's collectible. Now I think we have somebody in the chat room who actually went to this school. Went to that school? Yeah, this this school. In this next article. Oh. Grahanna High School's robotics club takes a plunge with an underwater project. Yep, Dave says that's his high school. I'll be darned. It wasn't enough just to be one more high school robotics club among hundreds in the country. They wanted something different to give the kids an edge, so they went with underwater robotics. They said it's unusual, which is partially the reason why I picked it. It's really hard to set yourself apart when you go for college scholarships. Underwater robotics seems to be a pretty unique thing. Plus, it's just plain fun. You know, when you look at the robots that the other kids have done, you know, other than the battle bots, they just seem to be remote control cars, you know, the few extra arms. Did he participate in this when he was there? Well, the, the program's only been going on for six years, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he says we didn't have a robotics class, a class back then. And then somebody accused him of not graduating, but he, he claims he's got a diploma. Oh, I believe him. The, the, they said, for fir- the example, the first robotics competition, a national-based contest, has an annual fee often as high as 10000 The club spends about $600 a year. Well, I saw where they said they plan to use a robot to explore, explore Lake Erie shipwrecks, research nearby marine life. That ought to be interesting. Yeah, I hope it works. And I... I, I I would love to put a program like this together for schools around here. I'd have to be a lot smarter, though. You said we have to be? Yeah, me. Have to teach me first. <laughs> yeah, maybe we have to build one. Build one. Well, I talked to Bob, and it's going to be one of his projects when he finishes the other robot. He's going to cut into uh, the underwater stuff. What, uh, Bob's going to keep working on his robot? Well, he's going to finish that, but his next project is going to be something related with ROVs. Oh, okay. Well, that's good because, I mean, as, as cool as the robot he was making was, it wasn't underwater, so yeah, to me it had limited value. <laughs> what? I just, I just found the same article twice. I did too. I clicked on that other one and it came up. You clicked on the one right under it, Dispatch Content Local Story? Yeah. Um, what that, <laughs> that story was, Diving the New Year, was, was actually the one from Holland. It was an article on normally when the when the mud club does a new year's day dive we do it up in holland yes but, we uh, that that was an article on that i must have messed up the link 
Well, I did read that. It sounded like they had uh, minimal participation this year, and I had planned on going myself, but I did not. Neither did several other muddies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't make it either. They had, I can't remember if they had three or six in the water, uh, and it looked like our normal, typical dive into brown water uh, with no ice, uh, but they still had a good time, which any dive is a good time. Yeah, I, I've dove there, I think two years I, I went and did that dive, which is a fun dive. The thing is, you, you're never going to get any visibility there that time of year. And it's and such was, a haul. <laughs> there was a good number of doing that. That was one over at Franz Park. I believe they were having one at Gilboa. Yes. Uh, they had the SAS dive over at uh, Gull Lake. So there's quite a few having it and a lot of good participation in a lot of the yeah. places. Yeah, and then you also had uh, White Star had one as well. Okay. So it's a good excuse. It gets you, if you're going for that 12 for 12, a dive each month, you, you can't beat it. Because if you do the New Year's Eve dive, you get one that time. And then you get one the following day, the New Year's Day. And you hit two months worth of diving in less than 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Rich said he had 30 people at White Star. So really? that's amazing. That's awesome. That's a good number. And I saw some photos of that. They had some visibility. Rich, they had no how, 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 what kind of visibility would you say that was? I heard at one report somebody said 100 feet. But we've got two or three articles, and they're going to be in the show notes, which are getting updated as we speak. I did uh, get a volunteer. I was going to say Shanghai somebody, but I got a volunteer. And uh, once they're up, we'll, we'll give them credit. I don't want to put the pressure on them yet until they're up. But they are being worked on. But uh, there are quite a few dives going on. Now, this next article, we're going to skip a few, Mac, but we'll go to this one because I just couldn't avoid having a comment on it. This one is uh, Santa's taking an icy dip. And this was uh, around Christmas. A group of uh, German dippers braved the temperatures of 11 degrees on Christmas Day to take uh, a swim in the Berlin Ornanke Lake. The members of the Berlin Seals were in festive spirits and they wear nothing more than Santa Claus hats for their icy swim. Yes, they are skinny dipping. So that's no wetsuits, no dry suits, no swimsuits. They skinny dip. Now, hopefully they have flip-flops on because they freeze your yeah. freaking feet walking out there with no boots on or something. Yeah. And, and 11 degrees is is probably warmer than we had this last weekend. Was that Fahrenheit or centigrade? That's going to be centigrade. This is... Uh, yeah, I would imagine it would be Germany. Yeah, Yeah, so it's got to be centigrade. So that's, I mean, that's still cold. I'm not... I'm not Right, it's that above freezing. Above freezing. Yeah, it's above freezing. So the the Berlin Seals were founded in 1979, East Germany, when nudist beaches were common. <laughs> one one gentleman says, "You save on beauty yeah. products because afterwards the skin is so soft and tight, you don't even have to put on lotions. When you're <laughs> old, it's great." <laughs> so that's the way to get the wrinkles out, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Another gentleman yeah. says it's it's a great feeling afterwards. Just have to look around at everyone in good spirits. <laughs> Is that what you're looking around at? Uh, you probably gotta have a lot of shrinkage. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking. <laughs> Did they say that was co-ed or not? I'm sure it's not restricted to male only, but I have a feeling it's only men. I don't see any freaking pictures, darn it! Come on. Come on. Yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, somebody sent us photos. We want photos. You send them to this show at Scoob Obsessed. Okay, I'm going to look that up now. That I mean, I get photos would make this much more interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, the, uh, some of the other articles that we skipped over, they were actually doing ice diving. The one in Minnesota, they had actually had to cut a hole in the ice. I imagine they would. 
Yep, and they said it was their 50th annual New Year's dive. So 50 years they've been doing it. Now, how how many years has the Mud Club been doing that New Year's Day dive? Uh, well, the New Year's evening, I've done 37 in a row. 37. Now, you, you said that we did make the paper for that one. Yeah, we had a, a really nice color article. I was on the, the Section B, and I, I was very pleased with that. And we also made the, uh, you know, when they say, look, excuse me, here's a column that says, do you remember 25 years ago, 50 years ago, 75 years ago? And we made the 25-year one, talking about one we had 25 years ago. And it talked about the ones we had years before that. So we did pretty good in coverage. Yeah, and hopefully yeah. we'll get some response on our uh, club site. And maybe get more people. Yeah, yep. Always recruiting. Yeah, we got we have some stuff to talk about our next meeting. Okay, the next article up is um, underwater treasure. The I found ex- the picture, by the way. Oh, you did? Yes, sir. Okay. Hang on, I'm getting a site, and I'll send it to you. <laughs> okay. Ah, <laughs> oh, all right. Where are we at here? All right. It's not that great a picture, but it's a picture. You got it? <laughs> yeah. Here we go. I want uh, as Dave is saying. I wonder if we're going to need the eye bleach. Well, when you say plumber's butt, you can see that for sure. That does look like a female off to the right, though. Well, good for them. Oh, yeah, you do. Uh... Now, what is the thing with the hat? Why is it a top hat? I don't know. In that case, at least one guy's got the the, the Santa cap on. That looks like a woman to the right, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. That looks like, oh, and the one under his arm does, too. Matter of fact, to the left. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. These people who are listening but can't see it, eat your heart out. Yeah, yeah, got to be in the chat room. We pasted it in there. Um, all the other pictures aren't coming out on mine. How about yours? There's a whole bunch. Do you see them? Uh, now they, they're, they're probably this the massive it? swell of our listeners looking at the photos are <laughs> are just killing it. Yeah, they, or they have they been banned? Maybe <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to find. <laughs> Come on, photos show. Uh, well, we can look at that afterwards. But this this could be fun. Yeah. Well, good for them. So, are is that like? Do we need to do a sub event for the Mud Club? I don't think we're going to get that much participation. Uh, have you ever done that before? No. Uh, I've done that once, and uh, once was enough in my particular case. Because if you go barefooted from the shore on the ice out, the, mm-hmm. the jump in wasn't that bad. But my God, my feet were frozen, and that was more getting out than getting back into my car. Wow. Yeah, yeah, my uh, yeah, my family was on my mom's side was from Finland, and they lived in Maine, and they had saunas or saunas, however you want to pronounce it. And uh, the the sauna was wood heated, and outside they would have a ceramic bathtub that was sunk in the earth so it wouldn't completely freeze, and that had ice water in it. So you would heat up in the sauna, and then jump in the tub, and then get back in the sauna and warm up. And that that cold and warm cycle was supposed to be healthy for you. Sent you some more pictures. Uh oh, here we go. Another bonus for the chat room. <laughs> so here you go. Not risque by any any stretch of the imagination, but there's a wide assortment of people standing on that dock. Let's see. It looks like, oh, it's uh, it's the whole link is almost too long to get in the. Oh darn it! Let's see, guys, if you can paste the two parts together, I'll give you the second half. That's talk shoe, is it? Too many characters. What the heck is a man can I? M A N K I N I. What is that? How do you pronounce that? Uh, I'll have to, as soon as it comes up, I'll tell you. 
a guy suit, but it's really different. All right, now that's a good shot. I'll let you find that one. Okay. Now this is a lingerie one. This is good. Oh, lingerie, that, that works. Did you get that one? Uh, let's see, Revelers uh, Swimming. Oh, the, I, I've got the one from the UK Mail. The, the now this one said mince pies, so they're not like we thought they were mice pies, but they're they are mints. Now, I, did you send another one? Well, if you follow that one, which is to get the pies, we're going swimming. Go all. If you continue down, you're going to find some really fun ones to look at. And then one of them does have the uh, the Berlin seals. And the first picture is, is, you can see the unclad people in the background, but there are some people in skimpy lingerie in the foreground. Yeah, the Speedo that, there is a little disturbing. You know, the blue one? No, the, <laughs> the green, green one. one. Yeah, that is a little... Yeah, the green one. That's what I was talking about. I was like, what the hell is that? Yeah. No, no, the one below yeah, is not too bad, though. No, that's the that's the one I said. That's improving really good. Yeah. And then yeah. the one under that is the one I'm talking about, uh, about four or five under. Yeah. You'll see it. The lady in red and the Santa Claus hat. Okay, I'm getting there. Lady in red. Is that a lady on the right? And the red hat with the... Yeah, the fez. Is that a the fez? The and, and the... I, I'm quite sure that's a female, yes. <laughs> okay, I, that's, I can't tell. You, then you're not when you, the same picture I am. Oh, wait. Uh-oh. You saw the lady... Oh, oh wait, wait a minute. Now, now I see what you're talking about. Yeah. No, that one's okay. Right. No, she's overdressed, though. Well, that's okay. Yeah. I mean, she's black and what I don't want to see in the back anyway. Yeah, yeah. She did save uh, save us a little bit. Yes. Okay, now that I found something, or I'll, I'll get off that site. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what, what's the chat room think? Cellulite. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, you know, not everybody can be a model, so we're a little, you know, a little spoiled with TV. Hey, but they're not bashful. No. Okay, let me see. I gotta get those. Okay, I want to make sure I get all these for the show notes since we actually have somebody doing them now. Okay. Well, if they look at our website, they'll at least see a couple of pictures of us uh, at both the um, Singer Lake for the New Year's dive at night, and then uh, a couple of people went up to the Go Lake one. Okay. Well, we'll yes. <laughs> oh, the chat room. You're missing out if you're not in the chat room. You know, we got a good group in there. Uh, so now we're to the underwater treasures, the XHMAS Hobart. And this one's out of Australia, resting in 30 meters of water off South Australia coast near the town of Yankalilia. Uh, the Hobart was purposely sunk for local divers and protected home to a large variety of marine life. So the article goes on some of the history behind it, and they have a video. So uh, I want to go. I'd go there. Well, did you see how it was there? It was sunk by friendly fire by an F-4 Phantom jet of the 7th Air Force. Oh, I was thinking that the friendly firemen, it was intentional that they were doing it, not that it was an accident. Yeah, it was uh, 17th June, 1968, 3 a.m. ship was hit by several missiles from what was later believed to be an F-4 Phantom, who opened fire on the Hobart in some kind of moment of confusion. Killed two sailors, injured six. So that was the U.S. Air Force? Yes. Huh. Oops. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, isn't that they're saying there's no such thing as friendly fire? Yeah, well, it apparently is. It didn't sink it then, by the way, but it was it was hit by friendly fire, and it was decommissioned in 2000. So that's 68. So it didn't sink it. No. So the, they said the last 10 years has been accumulating a natural coating of coral and colonized by fish that make it a really spectacular dive. 
Well, you can see the large cutouts in that one picture. I was wondering how they were doing penetrations. Mm -hmm. Looks like they got a way, a lot of ways to get in, a lot of ways to get out. Excellent. That's a good job of doing that. So that does it for scuba in the news. Now we have some potentially cool scuba gear. This first one, and and it might be futuristic scuba gear because I don't think they figured it out yet. This one's from DARPA, D-A-R-P-A. And what they're looking at doing to get right to the meat of it, so the, what they're trying to do is create the underwater combat person of the future. By, by the way, that DARPA is Defense Advanced Research Project Agency. I had a yeah. friend of mine who worked for them quite a few years, and they really did have some really interesting projects. Yeah, they, some, they, worked out, some didn't, but they look into a lot of stuff. Well, there, there's a lot of research that comes out and ends up being other products because – even if they can't hit everything they want to do, it is advances over what's current technology. And when we take a look at what they're trying to do with the diving, is what they're trying to do is an extreme combat dive profile. And they have four goals of the project. The first is the insertion via military free fall from 35,000 feet of altitude into the water. Then a combat dive down to 200 feet of water for at least 120 minutes then surface and immediately begin a second dive of variable increasing depth to 200 feet for at least 20 minutes without needing to decompress, and then followed up by extraction in an unpressurized aircraft to 14,000 feet altitude. So that's their that goal for this project. a little tricky. Yeah. And uh, the article points out, which I agree with them, the, the fall and insertion from 35,000 square feet is probably the easiest of everything on the list. <laughs> It will be interesting because yeah, so at 35,000 feet, they're going to be freaking cold. And the gear that you're breathing on, I, I, that's called a halo jump. Yeah. When, when we're jumping on something like that, even for just 30,000 feet, you're breathing O2, straight O2 for an hour before you get back on the aircraft. Then you're on the ascent to altitude, you're breathing O2 the whole time. And when you exit at 35,000 feet, it's freaking chilly up there. Your gear has got to be uh, working really good and not subject to freezing up. So whatever you're breathing, it's going to have to be the same gas you use on that combat dive because I don't know how you're going to carry it if you don't. No, it, it's going to have to be the same gas or it's going to have to be what I'm picturing is some sort of modified rebreather where maybe you start off on the tank that eventually flips over to a uh, closed circuit or maybe it's a type of rebreather that's capable of working in that atmosphere as well as underwater. They said they're going to have integrated microsystem devices that uh, that include uh, control logarithms, philosophical, philosoph- philosoph- <laughs> I can't say it, uh, sensors, physiological, physiologic sensors, meaning they're going to check what your body is doing, gas sensors, gas control components, and they said it's going to enable the combat system with limited risk of complications. It will continuously be analyzing the diver's blood with a compact ultrasound array to check for bubble formation, then it's administering small amounts of nitric oxide when necessary to help counter the problem. I, I've got, I've, I actually have been looking in the nitric oxide, but not for diving. Uh, there's some that's starting to become uh, something that people use uh, to help prevent, uh, like, strokes and heart attacks. Yeah, it's, there's some research in the last uh, 10, 15 years talking about that, and there are over-the-counter items that work with nitric oxide. 
And my question when I saw the, the vitamin supplements is what kind of effect would that have on diving, meaning would that have a negative effect? Because you have, a, you have an item that maybe controls your thinning of blood. So something to definitely look into, but uh, fascinating. Cause I wonder what kind of technology uh, would make its way into the recreational diving based on what they get from the DARPA project. Because right. imagine an embeddable dive computer. That's, that's kind of what they're doing. If you had, so let's just take a look at one aspect of that. You have that uh, electronics in your body, and when you're coming up, it's communicating to your dive computer, and it might tell you to change your dive profile. Well, one of the items I had seen on this, and believe it or not, it's quite a few years old, was where they're actually how they're going to do it now, I don't know. But the original thought was you cut into the carotids on left and right, and uh-huh. you're actually putting the blood through the device that aerates it. And this is where I can see this working, where you're oxygenating the blood uh-huh. from a different type of source than just breathing it through your lungs. Yeah, that, that would kind of make sense where you'd have some sort of system because you could actually scrub the blood. So you can insert oxygen directly into the blood at the the correct amounts you needed, and then you could have something that could provide a way. I mean, you could. I mean, gosh, maybe I shouldn't say anything on the air. I'm I'm already thinking of ways that you could implement that. Well, you know, the liquid breathing back from the uh, what was that movie? I can't even think of the name of it now, where they put the helmet on the guy, filled it full of uh, liquid, uh-huh. oxygen-rich liquid. I think it was like a perfluora carbon, as I recollect, which they use on premies anyway. So if you did that and you were able to fill the lungs with that, then it sounds like you could, you know, produce that liquid with your oxygen and minimize your bubble formation. Seems like that might work. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few things can do. So they're going to have some some money on it, some smart people, and you know, maybe in the next 20 years we could be doing, you know, 200, 400 foot dives without it being anything special. What would the techies do then? <laughs> Well, tech tech would be eight hundred, a thousand feet. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, and we did have some listeners. Uh, I haven't heard from them in a while that were in the uh, the Navy's uh, dive program, experimental. Okay, and then this one's not really dive gear, but heck, it is pretty cool though. Especially for us in the Great Lakes, and I'm I'm betting this company would do it for other spots, but that you can explore underwater topographical maps of North America with these laser-cut wood maps. And you know where you can see one already, don't you? Do you know where this is already at? No. Pawpaw Lake Yacht Club. If you go inside, look to the left, they have a big picture of Pawpaw Lake Uh that way, and it's been there for years. So one, I don't think they laser-cut that one, but it's the same idea. They take a topo, and somebody actually built one using the topo map. It Uh looks cool. Yeah, it, it does look. Just the photos are are great. Yeah. And for those of you who can't see what we're talking about, they've taken what would normally be a topographical map and maybe, say, the 10 feet or well, like in Lake Michigan. It probably depends on the scale of the lake. Right. Like Superior, I'm going to guess that each layer of plywood is going to be, you know, 150, 200 feet. <clears throat> Where in Pawpaw Lake, it might be... Every 10 know, feet. 10 feet, exactly. But it just has a real striking look and they've laser cut so you've got like some of the rivers and town names in there and they have a few different ones they've done some of them have the town names some of them have uh counties highways so you must be able to specify what you want to be shown on there 
Ooh, and that one for that one actually shows in the topographical lines depth. So very cool. Okay, and then we've got a photo of the week, and that is sharp. They've got to look at that. Somebody out there, head and make sure you go there and take a look at that one. That's nice. Be a neat place to dive. That would be a full soundstage. They were actually filming commercial. I mean, and she didn't still, have any bubble. You'd swear she's floating in the air the way that you know. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking that, and maybe, she, well, you look how deep she is. Maybe she they couldn't get one without bubbles. But I'm betting in the commercial they had to have one. Well, yeah, they they usually say when they do the bubbles for the ladies, they want to have the bubbles so it gives you that. In, in many cases, so you can see they're active, they're doing something, and you've got a, a contrast. Yeah. Pretty neat, though. Also, it probably sh- it, it shows that it's not photoshopped in. Yeah. That's a, that's the first thing when I first look at it because they they have the floor which appears almost to be wood, the wood laminate, and then you see the the molding and some of the items, the curtains. Yeah. Other than the ceiling and her floating, you don't know that's water. Yeah. Yeah. The lighting is is amazing in the photo too. Yeah, and all the stuff on the on the mantle obviously it has to be heavy. The stuff on the floor by the couch or the uh, the chair and the um, footstool. Yeah, it looks like they're trying to say that's a book. Could be. That's that is neat though. Yeah. So it was filmed in an underwater stage at Pinewood Studios, and that's in London South Bank. And that kind of leads into the video of the week, which we'll have these posted on the video site. But right now, I I haven't gotten around to it yet. Uh, this is the underwater realms. We've had a few articles in the past talking about that, where they filmed. Uh, this is all volunteers, amateurs, and an even a little bit of a Kickstarter project. And part of it, they created their own light. Uh, and on Christmas Day, they actually released the movie. And it was in four or five sections. I'm trying to remember what it was. I watched the parts for it. Very well. Sure. Go ahead. I'm going to free dive in, in those tunnels like that gal is doing in that video. Oh, the very first one in the series, part one? It's got some good breath control. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, even if even if it was done in many takes and over a long amount of time, that's that's still uh, something to, to be done. Uh, but the quality is good. The only thing I have to say is I don't quite get the plot. <laughs> or well, you can tell the guy doing the filming following her. You can uh-huh. see his hands. He's not a very good diver. Yeah. yeah. So there's uh, a series of uh, of five parts, and it never really completes. So it begs the question: Was this done just to prove? what they could do, you know, more of a resume than an actual attempt to do a movie or there are parts that haven't been completed yet. So, uh, and, and they, they didn't just limit it to underwater. There's scenes above water. They have a, they have a, one of the segments has a dog fight. So they, they didn't shy away from being ambitious on that project. So it, the underwater realm, it's on YouTube. It's free to watch. And we'll get those posted on the dive video site probably this weekend. Yeah, the nighttime shots, I'm not sure what that's all about. I mean, it's interesting, but like you said, what's the plot? Yeah, it, and, and I watched the whole thing. I did that a couple of days ago and went and watched all the segments. It doesn't take you long. It's less than a half an hour to see all of them, but still pretty darn impressive. And so that does it for Scuba in the News. So let's go ahead and talk about last week's dives. So the Mud Club had a few dives, I understand. We've, we talked a little bit about it. Yep, we did get our New Year's dive in uh, at Singer Lake. We sat around the house. We we missed a lot of our normal divers with uh, Schultz down there in Florida. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. 
Lucien can be an under the weather and out for that. Oh no. And uh, Kurt and them had some business, you know, that's when they do their business there at the bowling alley on New Year's. So we did have a couple. Uh, we did have a little skim ice out to about 20 feet. Nothing that a sledgehammer wouldn't take care of. The temperature was 26 maybe, and the water was probably 38. Not bad. No wind. Uh, once you got away from the muck, visibility was really good. And with Bob's son, you can see where he was at if you're on the surface. You could track him by the light flowing under the water. Uh, but it was a good diet. Uh, really, I mean, we didn't have our generator, didn't have the uh, toy box assigned, but the weather cooperated. Bob had the uh, ice shanty out for him, and uh, we had a good time. And it was a good diet. And everybody else, eat your heart out. You missed a good one. Oh, I imagine. I, I, I would have loved to have been there. I'm getting closer. I think one of these years I'm actually going to be able to make it. Well, even if you get the daytime one, that's so good. See, the, the, the easiest trick is to get my daughter to take up diving, and then she would <laughs> want to go. She's a swimming fish, but for some reason she doesn't think diving is cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's true yet. Hopefully we can turn that. So that was the New Year's Eve dive, and then Gull Lake. How was that one? Uh, that was good. We were going to go to Holland, and then in talking with Bob, it's like, well, we know we're going to go up there. It's going to be brown. You're going to be in bumping weather. Uh, probably ice flows around like we did a couple of years ago. And SAS was having one up at Prairieville, the north side of uh, Gull Lake. And we figured, well, we get there, we'd have visibility. So we drove up. Kurt was up there, and, and Darren and my, uh, Bob and myself. Coming up, though, we were a little concerned because we kept seeing a lot of the lakes with a lot of ice. <laughs> and we came up there, and a body of water to our left was totally frozen over. We're saying, oh, my God, nobody's going to be there. Uh, we got there at the docking area, and the whole place is just jammed already. We were late, and we were still early. Oh, wow. And all the parking on one side was already filled up with divers, and the visibility was excellent other than where the other 15 guys in front of you were. If you went away from them, it was really nice. And I think they had two wet suitors. Everybody else was dry. So there are a few good, crazy divers. Excellent. Yep, and young ones who don't have the finances. <laughs> All that, too. Uh, there's there's some items to see, like there is at the uh, other side of the park we dive on. Uh-huh. And uh, not as many, but some. But I had to get down out there grubbing. I didn't find any keepers. But uh, I think I will be going back there. So, again, it was a good time. And then Bob and I, and then we went out and we ate after we had the dive and stuff, came on home. It was a, it was a full day. Okay. Now, I'm looking through the the treasures, and there seems to be a new photo at the top, a brick. The uh, brick and the pipe? Yeah. Yeah, that was from uh, two, last week, week before. Uh, that's from the uh, Whirlpool Marine Basin, believe it or not. Uh-huh. And uh, visibility, you know, when we had the big storm. It, it made waves come way up on the beach, and uh, it was really interesting how much crap had been moved around. Then I went back out there again uh, New Year's Day to check and see which site we are going to go to. Had white caps coming in from the lake there in the bay. Now, this is the turn basin you said you found those? Yeah. Well, where we've been diving by the old tower. Uh-huh. That's, we call it Whirlpool yeah. Marine. So you found a pipe there? Yes, let me tell you, that's the first one I found there. And it's like, I think I'm going to be paying a little more attention in those areas. Now, can you speculate how that pipe got there? Is that 
That wouldn't be where it was naturally from, would it? Yes, it would be. You got to remember what back in the sixties, what you have out there now is not what it was. You had docks like crazy. It was very common to have a smoking pipe like that. And actually, even before that, but you figure that that place has been used for 200 years huh. as a harbor. Now, they did have some. Now, is that the area where they've had the booms floating in the water? The booms floating? Well, there was like, a, they would have barges parked. Oh, that's, no, no, okay. Now, that's the big training basin that you're talking about. Okay. Now, back there is when the big boats would come in, when they turn around and kick their props on, it would dig holes and you'd go on the opposite side and that's where you look for the bottles because the current from those big boats and those big props kicked everything in that direction. Oh, okay. And okay. the reason we don't dive there is because the, the visibility sucks more than normal <laughs> and there's a lot of debris that you can get caught on. And that's why the club per se has not dove there. One of the spots you've not dove yet, but you've probably been by, is there in the the access back to the Paul Far River? Mm-hmm. You know how you go back to the canal? Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Boat ship canal? Yeah. Well, that once you go to the left, it's got the original pilings from the 1800s there. But you've got so much of a snag hazard. Uh, if, if you dove there, you're going to definitely come up with some prima, premium stuff. But it's going to be a real touchy dive. And I've never seen any visibility in that area. Hmm. But if you could, man, that, I keep looking there whenever we get a little ice to see uh, that settles down, because that would definitely be a place to dive. That would be cool. Yeah, well, we'll have to keep an eye on that one. Certainly have to keep an eye on it. Well, excellent. So it sounds like we had some good dives in the last few weeks. I didn't get out, unfortunately. Well, everybody's waiting for 16 to, to turn over and get froze because we're looking for a big ice dive out there. Maybe another one, you know, a limeless dive. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, six, 16 will, will will be a good one. I'm I'm hoping we can get at least one there, and then maybe we'll have to do something. Well, something close by. Now we've done Singer Lake a few times. Are other the other some local lakes to us that would be good? Well, I mean, we've done Ice Dive, Magician, Round Lake, Long Lake. Uh, Pawpaw, of course. Me, I'd go back to Pawpaw since all the weeds are dead now. Oh, for an ice dive? Oh, yes. I don't think I've ever done an ice dive in Pawpaw. Well, we've done some in the ice waters. Remember when we had to break the ice? Yeah, I remember the sledgehammer walk we did. That was uh, about the second or third week of January last year, I think. Yeah, and then we basically, it's hard to tend the lines, though, and I don't really want to have newbies go under the ice laterally. Yeah, uh, I agree. The line tending sucks that way. Yeah. And they said uh, on the 12th through the 13th, they're going to do an ice dive at White Star. And mm-hmm. we're invited to go there. So I'll have yeah, to take are up in Grand Rapids that weekend. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a week, little over a week away. I'll have to take a look. I know I can't do anything this weekend, but maybe that weekend. I'll have to see if I can clear out my schedule, see what the boss says. I mean, I guess she's, she's going to say no on the gas money, but that would that would be cool, though. That would be great. And with the beginning of a new year, it's also where I look and consider doing new sounds. So for this episode, I was planning on having new music, but I thought I'd give everybody a chance to listen to it. So at the end of this podcast, I'm going to have 10 sample songs. And what I'd like for everybody to do is if you can hang in through it at the end of the podcast and and listen to them and and comment on... uh, Access Scuba, if you could. So if you could log in to Access Scuba, www.accessscuba.com, 
com. If you don't already have an account, create one. And then you can leave a comment on our fan page on Access Scuba, which is accessscuba.com forward slash scuba obsessed, and let us know which one you prefer. Now, if you're having problems getting into Access Scuba and you're from outside the U.S., what you need to do is drop me a line at the show at scubaobsessed.com and tell me that you can't get in. And what I'll do is I'll send out an invite, and that invite should be a way to get you right back in. So you'll be able to, an invite will go to your email. You'll have to drop me a line saying what your, your, the email is that you want me to use. And it'll create an email going out to you, and you'll be able to log in and, and do it. And we've had, uh, because of spam, they've had to block it. So you might get a message saying that it's not available from your country. If you let me know who you are, and I can convince the developer enough to let you in, then you'll go ahead and get an account. So usually that invite will get in. And we've done it for a few already. It's growing. They're adding uh, new divers every day onto the site. So go out there. If you haven't had a chance to take a look at it, it's www.accessscuba.com. Improvements. We're probably not more than a few weeks away from an iOS app. As soon as that gets approved, that will be out there. Uh, I was originally going to do a poll on the 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 song intros, but unfortunately the polls are limited to four and I have ten. So just leave a comment which one you want. And also, so what I'd like to do is I'd like to know which one was the best one and which one was the worst. So go ahead and listen. And what I did in the, in the song samples, which they're on the post, so if you don't listen to the podcast all the way through and you want to, or you want to re-listen to them, on the post on both Facebook at facebook.com forward slash scuba obsessed and access scuba forward slash scuba obsessed, you can listen to the individual segments. There's 10 of them. And what I've done is I've edited them together like they were actually going to be used in the podcast. And that gives me an idea of how they flow and how it goes. Uh, so I went a little overboard. I did 10 of them. Out of the 10, I expect that there's a few that are at least halfway decent. So if you go ahead and do that, that'd be great. Uh, Mac, you got anything that you want to promote? Not this week, but I might have something next week. Uh, we'll start putting out the dates for the Our World Underwater, uh, Diver Showcase, uh, Ghost Ships, uh, a lot of events coming up for the new year. Excellent. So show season is starting. I saw the New York Boat Show is starting this week, and it won't be too long, and we'll have all that sort of stuff going. Show season, boat season, fishing season, and then spring. It's almost too early to be hoping for spring, but I'm hoping for it. <laughs> So just like I said last year, let's let's get some nice hard ice for about four to six weeks, and then it can all melt, and we'll have tropical. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> Rich just said Larry's going to build me a pole with ten spots. <laughs> well, that would be cool. So you'll when you when you're in there, look for the pole. Oh gosh, seems like we're, we're missing. So uh, yeah, Jim Jim's in Florida. So we'll hopefully, I don't know if when it seems when he goes down there, he doesn't get any diving in. It's like he's afraid of the warm, clear water. I thought he was going to go see Faulkner down there and see if he can get a dive in with him. Yeah, well, well, hopefully he can. Are you just hedging around before you get to the highlight of the night? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think we're getting there. Seems like, but you got to go through everything. Uh, go to the Scuba Obsessed site. Uh, we're going to get the show notes out there, so hopefully in the next few days you'll you'll see those starting to show up, and we'll get pretty current. Also remember to go to the fan map, you go to about, go to Scoop Obsessed Fans, and then add your pin. So if you haven't done that, you want to do that. And then also if you have anything you'd like to see in a show, drop us a line at the show at scoobobsessed.com. Let us know what you'd like to see. And 
as always, we love those five-star reviews. So leave us a five-star review on iTunes or one on TalkShoe. I've got a, a, we're going to be doing some format changes next week. I was going to do it this week, but I think I'm going to save it for next week. So this week's going to sound just like last year's. So we are in the into season four. So I appreciate everybody listening. The fans are great. We're going to do more this year. I, if you want to volunteer and help out, drop me a line. Tell me what you would like to do, what you're interested in, and we'll find a spot for you, and we'll get you going. So, And I, and I still got some other podcasts that I'd like to do. i got some other shows I might be doing. So if you think you got some sort of on-air talent skills and you'd like to host a show, also we'll be I'm the the company that's backing Scoop Obsessed is going to be doing some more promotions. We're going to be doing podcasts in other industries. So if you know anybody is looking to do a podcast to help with marketing, we're going to be doing some of those initiatives. So I guess I can't stall any longer. It's getting to that time. Are you ready? I'm holding on to the desk here. Yeah, we had. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. We do have one thing before. I think we should bring Dave on. Dave, do you have Skype going? Because we teased last week that there was going to be an announcement. I'm calling him. He's probably hiding or refilling. Well, if he doesn't jump on before the scoop joke, we'll, we'll hit him after. There you, you there, Dave? Yeah, we can hear you. I had to switch over to the headset. <laughs> we appreciate that. So, yeah, I, I should probably should add you on for the, the news segment, but you, you teased last week that there's going to be an announcement on, and it, it was going to be after the first. So is it safe to say what it is? It is safe at this point to uh, to say it. So go for it. I am now in the employ of Divers Incorporated in Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, working for Rich Senewick, and it is going to be an epic year, and we are going to turn the industry on its head. Awesome. Excellent. Congratulations. And we're going to dive our ass off. Well, that, that that's the important thing. Who cares about the rest? Of course, Rich probably does, but... That means we'll just have to call your pancake butt. Nice. <laughs> yeah, just wear right away. All that flipping off of boats and walking down boat ramps and diving in quarries, you're not going to know what to do. So you, you, you'll go from 200 to 900 dives this year? That'd be probably stretching it a bit, <laughs> but it's an admirable goal. Excellent. So you have to keep us informed of the, the going-ons there. And then uh, that also is you continue your involvement with White Star as well? That is true. Yeah, excellent. So great. Congrats to Dave. Congrats to Rich. Now, is that kind of like uh, matter and antimatter meeting? I mean, do we need to be concerned? Quite possibly. I did hear that DARPA had done some research at one point in time about this, and it's still classified. Okay. <laughs> but I do believe that it's going to be a good year for us, and uh, the combination just allows for uh, growth and development uh on my side for the biggest part, and it's going to be interesting seeing the interaction and in, in what we're doing with new divers and old divers and just getting people back out diving. Awesome. Now, has Rich launched the new website yet? Is that able to be announced? It's in the pipeline. That's for him to, uh, that's for him to uh, pop out. Uh-huh. It's, it's on the cusp. So it's, it's getting close. So he's, he's been teasing that if you've been listening to his podcast. He's been saying that that's getting really close. So it is very close and it's epic. Awesome. I have I have seen the uh, the raw material and I will tell you that uh, when she's in her wedding finery, she's going to be a phenomenal website. Excellent. Looking forward to it. 
And I will tell you, living in Michigan does have its pluses. Well, of my, course. Wife, my wife was telling me this morning that uh, when she woke up, she didn't have to go to work. She's a school teacher. They were on a delay because it was one degree at home. It was one degree? And here in Michigan, it was almost 20. Wow. So so being a little north into the tropics then. Being north into the tropics. Maybe that's why I like to come up here to go diving. Yeah. All the warm water. Yeah, all the warm water and palm trees and, and everything else. I have yet to run up palm trees. Okay. Up here, at least we're consistent. Never gets colder than 32 degrees in the water. Yeah, you, you want to see palm trees, go to a hospital. seems like every hospital in the area has a palm tree in them, some atrium. So, Mac, I'm kind of curious. How are you liking a new dry suit? I hate it. I'm going to have to go back to wet in a couple of years. <laughs> right in a couple in. of years? In a couple of years when he's worn it out. Yeah, it's a lot nicer changing when you're dry and out in the wind than when you're not. Awesome. Yeah, I did like seeing the pictures. Uh, the one picture of you guys at your New Year's Eve dive. I don't remember who it was. Somebody was holding a chunk of the ice. Yeah, that's Sir Larry. I don't think I've had a chance to meet him yet. Uh, no, you probably didn't. Uh, he didn't. He wasn't at the 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 few dives that you've done with us. Uh, yeah, Larry had some other things going on both times, but he did do a dive this turkey this uh, year's turkey dive. Yep, he spent uh, instead of diving though on the first of January, he went uh, kayaking. Yeah, well, we we can only hold that a little bit against him. Yeah, I, I think that uh, he probably should have gotten underwater instead of on the water. Well, he did get that first dive of the year in. Uh, we'll, we'll give him that. Yeah, because I, I guess you get both of them in at the same time, because what do you start, right before midnight and then go right into the first of the year? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So one dive, two dive. years. Yep. Okay. So so you guys ready? Yes, sir. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> Here we go. A scuba dive master had always dreamed of owning his own cattle ranch, and finally he made enough money working at a dive shop to buy himself the spread of his dreams in Wyoming. So what did you name the ranch, his best friend asked when he flew out to visit. Well, we had heck of a time, admitted the new cowboy. Couldn't agree on anything. We finally settled on the double R, lazy L, triple horseshoe, bar seven, lucky diamond ranch. Wow, his friend says impressed. So where are all the cows? Well, none of them survived branding. That's good. Ouch. <laughs> so I, I think the moral of the story is stick to diving. <laughs> or not be a cow. <laughs> yeah, that is a bad day to be a cow. So until next time, go out there and get wet. And, and, remember, and remember, no cows were hurt in the making of tonight's podcast. <laughs> Call recording has been completed. Well, thank you, thank you. Scuba Obsessed episode 143 is recorded live December 27th, 2012.
Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Jolson, and with me this week, Jim Schultz. And the question I want to ask is, are you in Michigan? Yes, I'm in Michigan. Cool. So uh, you didn't have to do any traveling this, this holiday season? No, not yet. Well, did you, you have a good Christmas? I had a very good Christmas. Nice and quiet, just me and the wife. Oh, wow. This is a great day for sex or a great day for diving. A few minutes later, she's telling Darren, don't forget your mask. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'd say that's remarkably accurate. I, I, I got to write that one down. Hmm. No boo hiss. Wow. No, no. I, I think you just gave me a great idea. <laughs> the chat room saying it works every time. <laughs> so, on that note, for the last show of 2012, go out there and get wet. Stay safe. And remember, no horny turtles were formed in the making of tonight's show. somebody Dave, still <laughs> we think we lost Dave. <laughs> right at the last minute yeah call recording has been completed <laughs> wow I guess he choked up on his own joke yeah you thought he was going to go look for his mask Paul wants to go on a round table oh there he is Paul wants it a round table okay Obsessed episode 143 is recorded live December 27th, 2012. Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Jolson, and with me this week, Jim Schultz. And the question I want to ask is Are you in Michigan? Yes, I'm in Michigan. Cool. So uh, you didn't have to do any traveling this, this holiday season? No, not yet. Well, did you, you have a good Christmas? I had a very good Christmas. Nice and quiet, just me and the wife. Oh, wow. This is a great day for sex or a great day for diving. A few minutes later, she's telling Darren, don't forget your mask. You know, I, I, I'd say that's remarkably accurate. i, 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 I got to write that one down. Hmm. No boo hiss? Wow. No, no, I, I think you just gave me a great idea. <laughs> the chat room saying it works every time. <laughs> so, on that note, for the last show of 2012, go out there and get wet. Stay safe, and remember, no horny turtles were formed in the making of the show. Thank you.
Did we drop somebody? Dave, still game. <laughs> we think we lost Dave. Right at the last minute. Yeah. Call recording has been completed. <laughs> wow. I guess he choked up on his own joke. Yeah. Yeah, that he's going to go look for his mask. Paul wants to go on a round table. Oh, there he is. Paul wants an around table. Okay. Scoob Obsessed episode 143 is recorded live December 27th, 2012. Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Jolson, and with me this week, Jim Schultz. And the question I want to ask is, are you in Michigan? Yes, I'm in Michigan. Cool. So uh, you didn't have to do any traveling this, this holiday season? No, not yet. Well, did you, you have a good Christmas? I had a very good Christmas. Nice and quiet, just me and the wife. Oh, wow. This is a great day for sex or a great day for diving. A few minutes later, she's telling Darren, don't forget your mask. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'd say that's remarkably accurate. I, 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 I got to write that one down. Hmm. No boo hiss. Wow. No, no. I, I think you just gave me a great idea. <laughs> the chat room saying it works every time. <laughs> So, on that note, for the last show of 2012, go out there and get wet. Stay safe, and remember, no horny turtles were formed in the making of tonight's show. Drop somebody? Dave, still game? <laughs> we think we lost Dave. Right at the last minute. Yeah. Call recording has been completed. <laughs> wow. I guess he choked up on his own joke. Yeah. Yeah, that he's going to go look for his mask. Paul wants to go on a round table. Oh, there he is. Paul wants an around table. Okay. Obsessed episode 143 is recorded live December 27, 2012.
Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson, and with me this week, Jim Schultz. And the question I want to ask is, are you in Michigan? Yes, I'm in Michigan. Cool. So uh, you didn't have to do any traveling this, this holiday season? No, not yet. Well, did you, you have a good Christmas? I had a very good Christmas. Nice and quiet, just me and the wife. Oh, wow. This is a great day for sex or a great day for diving. A few minutes later, she's telling Darren, don't forget your mask. You know, I, I, I'd say that's remarkably accurate. i I, I, I got to write that one down. Hmm. No boo hiss. Wow. No, no, I, I think you just gave me a great idea. <laughs> the chat room saying it works every time. <laughs> So, on that note, for the last show of 2012, go out there and get wet. Stay safe, and remember, no horny turtles or farms in the making of tonight's show. Oop, did we drop somebody? <laughs> we think we lost Dave. Right at the last minute. Yeah. Call recording has been completed. <laughs> wow. I guess he choked up on his own joke. Yeah. Yeah, that he's going to go look for his mask. Paul wants to go around the table. Oh, there he is. Paul wants an around table. Okay. Scoob Obsessed episode 143 is recorded live December 27th, 2012. Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson, and with me this week, Jim Schultz. And the question I want to ask is, are you in Michigan? Yes, I'm in Michigan. Cool. So uh, you didn't have to do any traveling this, this holiday season? No, not yet. Well, did you, you have a good Christmas? I had a very good Christmas. Nice and quiet, just me and the wife. Oh, wow. This is a great day for sex or a great day for diving. A few minutes later, she's telling Darren, don't forget your mask. You know, I, I, I'd say that's remarkably accurate. i, I, I got to write that one down. Hmm. No boo hiss? Wow. No, no, I, I think you just gave me a great idea. <laughs> the chat room saying it works every time. <laughs> so, on that note, for the last show of 2012, go out there and get wet. Stay safe, and remember, no horny turtles or farms in the making of tonight's show.
Oop, did we drop somebody? Dave, still there. <laughs> we think we lost Dave. <laughs> right at the last minute. Yeah. Call recording has been completed. <laughs> wow. I guess he choked up on his own joke. Yeah. He thought he was going to go look for his mask. Paul wants to go around the table. Oh, there he is. Paul wants it around the table. Okay. Episode 143 is recorded live December 27th, 2012. Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Jolson, and with me this week, Jim Schultz. And the question I want to ask is, are you in Michigan? Yes, I'm in Michigan. Cool. So uh, you didn't have to do any traveling this, this holiday season? No, not yet. Well, did you, you have a good Christmas? I had a very good Christmas. Nice and quiet with me and the wife. Oh, wow. This is a great day for sex or a great day for diving. A few minutes later, she's telling Darren, don't forget your mask. <laughs> You know, I, I I'd say that's remarkably accurate. I, 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 I got to write that one down. Hmm. No boo hiss. Wow. No, no. I I think you just gave me a great idea. <laughs> the chat room saying it works every time. <laughs> so, on that note, for the last show of 2012, go out there and get wet. Stay safe and remember, no horny turtles were formed in the making of tonight's show. Did we drop somebody? Dave, still there. <laughs> we think we lost Dave. Right at the last minute. Yeah. Call recording has been completed. <laughs> wow. I guess he choked up on his own joke. Yeah. He thought he was going to go look for his mask. Paul wants to go around the table. Oh, there he is. Paul wants an around table. Okay. Obsessed episode 143 is recorded live December 27th, 2012. 
Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Jolson, and with me this week, Jim Schultz. And the question I want to ask is, are you in Michigan? Yes, I'm in Michigan. Cool. So uh, you didn't have to do any traveling this, this holiday season? No, not yet. Well, did you, you have a good Christmas? I had a very good Christmas. Nice and quiet, just me and the wife. Oh, wow. This is a great day for sex or a great day for diving. A few minutes later, she's telling Darren, don't forget your mask. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'd say that's remarkably accurate. I, I, I got to write that one down. Hmm. No boo hiss. Wow. No, no. I, I think you just gave me a great idea. <laughs> the chat room saying it works every time. <laughs> so, on that note, for the last show of 2012, go out there and get wet. Stay safe, and remember, no horny turtles or farms in the making of tonight's show. Did we drop somebody? Dave, still there? <laughs> we think we lost Dave. Right at the last minute. Yeah. Call recording has been completed. <laughs> wow. I guess he choked up on his own joke. Yeah. Yeah, that he's going to go look for his mask. Paul wants to go on a round table. Oh, there he is. Paul wants an around table. Okay. Obsessed episode 143 is recorded live December 27th, 2012. Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Jolson, and with me this week, Jim Schultz. And the question I want to ask is Are you in Michigan? Yes, I'm in Michigan. Cool. So uh, you didn't have to do any traveling this this holiday season? No, not yet. Well, did you, you have a good Christmas? I had a very good Christmas. Nice and quiet, just me and the wife. Oh, wow. This is a great day for sex or a great day for diving. A few minutes later, she's telling Darren, don't forget your mask. You know, I, I, I'd say that's remarkably accurate. I've I, I, I got to write that one down. Hmm. No boo hiss? Wow. No, no, I, I think you just gave me a great idea. <laughs> the chat room saying it works every time. <laughs> so, on that note, for the last show of 2012, go out there and get wet. Stay safe, and remember, no horny turtles or farms in the making of tonight's show.
Oop, did we drop somebody? Dave, still <laughs> We think we lost Dave. <laughs> right at the last minute. Yeah. Call recording has been completed. <laughs> wow. I guess he choked up on his own joke. Yeah. Yeah, that he's going to go look for his mask. Paul wants to go around table. Oh, there he is. Paul wants an around table. Okay. Obsessed episode 143 is recorded live December 27th, 2012. Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson, and with me this week, Jim Schultz. And the question I want to ask is, are you in Michigan? Yes, I'm in Michigan. Cool. So uh, you didn't have to do any traveling this, this holiday season? No, not yet. Well, did you, you have a good Christmas? I had a very good Christmas. Nice and quiet, just me and the wife. Oh, wow. This is a great day for sex or a great day for diving. A few minutes later, she's telling Darren, don't forget your mask. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'd say that's remarkably accurate. I, I, I got to write that one down. Hmm. No boo hiss? Wow. No, no, I, I think you just gave me a great idea. <laughs> the chat room saying it works every time. <laughs> So, on that note, for the last show of 2012, go out there and get wet. Stay safe, and remember, no horny turtle or farms in the making of tonight's show. Somebody? Dave, still there? <laughs> we think we lost Dave. Right at the last minute. Yeah. Call recording has been completed. <laughs> wow. I guess he choked up on his own joke. Yeah. He thought he was going to go look for his mask. Paul wants to go around table. Oh, there he is. Paul wants an around table. Okay. Scoob Obsessed episode 143 is recorded live December 27th, 2012.
welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Jolson, and with me this week, Jim Schultz. And the question I want to ask is, are you in Michigan? Yes, I'm in Michigan. Cool. So uh, you didn't have to do any traveling this, this holiday season? No, not yet. Well, did you, you have a good Christmas? I had a very good Christmas. Nice and quiet, just me and the wife. Oh, wow. This is a great day for sex or a great day for diving. A few minutes later, she's telling Darren, don't forget your mask. You know, I, I, I say that's remarkably accurate. I, I, I got to write that one down. Hmm. No boo hiss. Wow. No, no, I, I think you just gave me a great idea. <laughs> the chat room saying it works every time. <laughs> so, on that note, for the last show of 2012, go out there and get wet. Stay safe, and remember, no horny turtles were formed in the making of tonight's show. Did we drop somebody? Dave, still there? <laughs> we think we lost Dave. Right at the last minute. Yeah. Call recording has been completed. <laughs> wow. I guess he choked up on his own joke. Yeah. You thought he was going to go look for his mask? Paul wants to go on a round table. Oh, there he is. Paul wants a round table? Okay.